Hello and welcome to the Ball Island Podcast. It's me, your boy Gates. We've been on a little bit of a layoff, but we're back and we're back with a vengeance. I'm here with my boy C Thaw. What's up, everybody? You know, a few weeks off. It's a, it's kind of a slow season, but a lot has happened, especially in the, the NBA circles. We're getting free agency. We're getting NBA draft. We're getting boxing, Mayweather, Pacquiao, just kidding, Mayweather, McGregor. We're getting everything. We're getting baseball, all-star. Aaron Judge crushed 550-foot bombs last night. We got a lot going on. Uh, we're going to kick it off by doing a little bit of NBA free agency. It's been uh, you know another good one. Over the last couple of years, you know, it's it's been pretty good seeing what's, you know, all, all the kind of transactions that have transpired. And and basically it's turned into like another season of basketball right after the finals ends. Like I, I'm, I'm more excited for this than I was for everything of the playoffs besides the finals. Yeah, it's it's really amazing what the NBA's done in terms of how much they've extended their season. Because look, like the season ended great, then... Very soon after, we had the draft to look forward to. Right after that, free agency kicks in a high gear. And then right after that, you got summer league. So they're really keeping your attention for a sum- like all the way through the middle of July. And then it starts yeah. back up middle of August. So I think of all the professional leagues, they've done the best job of making it kind of year-round. It also it doesn't hurt when you got – I mean, this draft class is loaded too, and it, it worked out pretty well. I like a lot of the spots a lot of the players got to, and we'll, you know, we'll get into that later. But the summer league is always fun when you watch you know, some crazy talent get after it. Yeah, exactly. It'd be, it'd be cool if like Ben Simmons was playing. He's not. Fultz got hurt, but still. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still cool though. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of huge moves went down uh, you know, over these last whatever it's been, a month or so. Yeah, a little um, I think uh, – yeah, only two weeks, actually, really. Uh, free agency started July 1st, so, yeah, just just two weeks. Well, it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, I guess including draft night with and, trades. And the trades, so. too, yeah. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a couple weeks. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to do a little uh, draft for each move, what, what we like the, the most. So one of us will go first, draft draft that quote-unquote move, and then, and then go on to the next move, uh, the next person. And we're only analyzing... Uh, t- players that have moved teams either by trade or free agency signing, not players that re-sign in, in their former team. Yeah, uh, it's not going to really count when you got Kevin Durant, the baby back bitch, re-signing for another two years, or Stephen Curry, the yeah, five-year, like, $200 million. That would move. have to be the first two picks, but like that's just boring, so fuck it. So everything we're going to do is players that have changed teams, and it's according to you know what you know the value the team's getting, not just you know not who the player is or what they have. So yeah, so we're taking into account from a trade perspective how much they had to give up, uh, and then also from free agency perspective how much the deal was, et cetera. How how does it hurt their cap space moving forward? All those type of things. Yeah, so we'll do a top seven. Uh, I'll let you go. I'll let you kick it off, my man. Get after it. Okay, I'm gonna go. The best move of the NBA offseason was Paul George to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's my first pick. And the reason I say that is because, well, one, you know I'm down on Victor Oladipo. I think he's he's a decent player, nothing more than a bench player. I don't see him ever being a starter on a significant team that, that actually has a chance to win a title. I see him at best as a seventh eighth man on, on a title team. So and that that was really the main piece they got in the trade. They they only the Pacers only got Sabonis and Oladipo for George. And look, I understand the risk for OKC. He could leave after a year, but even if he does, now now they're they have a lot of flexibility with 
with their cap as well. They, they signed Roberson to a pretty small deal of uh, 10 mil a year, which was less than everyone thought he was going to get. So they, they've really handled the cap well, where if they do re-sign him, that's amazing. They, they, get, uh, they get a top 15 player in the NBA to pair with, with Russell Westbrook, or he leaves and then they still have a great cap situation. So I love the move from all angles for OKC. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do, too. I just want to play a little bit devil's advocate that, you know, if, if he leaves after one year, let's say they end up a four seed, whatever, what was the, was the move worth it? I mean, I still think so, because it, it doesn't hurt them down the road. I don't think they gave up that much value. Uh, really, it, a lot of this was from flipping Serge Ibaka. That, that's where they got Oladipo. So they flipped Serge Ibaka and basically got... I think, oh, they got both those pieces, I think, in the Ibaka deal, the yeah, first round pick. Yeah, exactly. so they basically turned Ibaka into Paul George, which, anyway, you look at it, is, is pretty phenomenal. So, uh, I agree. Well, yeah, the, the difference being that Paul George is on an expiring contract. Yeah, basically. but they, they would have had to re-up and pay Ibaka anyway, so and I wouldn't have liked that move. Uh, so, I think, all things considered, even if he does leave, it was still well worth it. It's worth that risk if you can get it, that type of player. All right, I was just playing devil's advocate because obviously I agree a thousand percent. I mean, I, I can't wait for the Paul George Russell Westbrook show. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. You know, Russell Westbrook's my boy. He had a terrible team last year. I had way too much faith in Victor Oladipo. I'll be the first to admit it. I thought the kid was gonna ball. He fucking sucked. If he ever played, <laughs> he's been a disaster. He's one of the most overplayed players in the league. The fact that they got rid of that contract, honestly, I think that's is, what I'm saying. Yeah, is great. Uh, you know, so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the Pacers were thinking. Yeah. They, some of the offers that came out afterwards were actually really good. I don't remember off the top of my head, but they had Boston was offering a couple first round picks and and some interesting pieces like Jay Crowder. And then I mean, you don't know how much you can trust no, these, but these the, things that come but out. But the thing is, is that they could have just you know. Th- and this is the thing teams get suckered into is okay, he's still under contract. Why didn't they just wait till the until the trading deadline? You don't think at the trade deadline in February, teams are going to be desperate to push it over the top? Who's going to push him over the top? Paul George. Yeah. Like, right? Like, why? that's when his trade value is highest. I mean, and this is what they got for, and the Pacers should be fucking shitting themselves. It's yeah. terrible. Hor- horrible trade for them. And we'll be honest. Think, think about I- if, it's, if it's a Cavs and Warriors arms race, what they, each side would pony up for Paul George. Way yeah. more than that. Or they'd work in a three-team trade. Well, that's what the Cavs are doing. And I actually thought their offer was much better as well. So uh, it, it, the, I think Love was going to the Nuggets in this in the three-three-rate deal. And, and they and uh, in the proposed deal, the Pacers were getting a lot of assets. They were getting, like, uh, Gary Harris, a couple first-round picks, and some, some other guys that uh, I just thought it was a, both their offer and the Boston offer, I would take both of them before OKC's. Yeah, I mean, people have been saying that, um, I've heard this on the Bill Simmons podcast, that they've been, the Pacers front office did this for spite. And that's why they didn't trade him to the Cavs. Even though the Cavs had a better deal, they said, fuck you, Paul George. We're not giving you what you want. You want to go somewhere, or go to the Western Conference and the team that's not going to win a title. You know, which, you can't operate out of spite in that. Oh, though. trust me, like, I, I agree 100. percent like, what, what, what are you? But what, what are you? Four years old? No, I, I thousand percent agree. But what I mean to me, no other, no other reason makes sense for why they turned down those better offers, right? I agree. Yeah, I mean, unless the, I, I, I did read a report that they're extremely high on Oladipo and Sabonis. But like the Thunder apparently knew that, and then that's how they were able to to get the deal done so quickly. Yeah, uh, I guess that they had they had had talks in the past about those players. So, all right. 
Well, you know what? Good for the Thunder. Uh, we'll talk about them some more because I love what they've done in the offseason. Hopefully they can mix, you know, they can take some of the moves they've made here and turn it into an even bigger move and have their own little big three spewing in, in Oklahoma City, led by my boy Russ West, the MVP. Holla at me. But I cannot believe you went that number one. Uh, albeit that was a great move. Paul George on an expiring contract. You went that number one. You passed on Jimmy Butler, my man. The T-Wolves just got a franchise player who's probably better than Paul George, and they uh, they didn't give up much. They gave up pretty much nothing. They gave up a couple guys. They gave up Zach Levine. Um, they gave up. They did. A, they did, had their pick swap from seven to sixteen. They gave up Chris Dunn. They gave up Chris Dunn. They gave up in, uh, on him early, but I mean, for what they got in Jimmy Butler, now you got to you got to love what they did. The T-Wolves are a serious contender. They have all that young talent to pair with Jimmy Butler. And he's seasoned enough now. He's like 27 where he's going to take those guys under his wing. So from a veteran standpoint, I love, I love the acquisition. Obviously reuniting with, with his coach, Tom Thibodeau. Uh, the whole thing just makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Turns them into an immediate contender. Um, I mean, contender, when I say playoff contender, not actual championship contender. Right. But it's a team that can grow over the years where, you know, you could see two to three years from now, oh, shit, the T-Wolves are coming now, like, for the title type of team. Yeah. Right? Like, they keep they keep piling on a couple more assets. They're growing. Jimmy Butler's still only 27. In two years from now, you know, they're going to be serious title contenders two years from now with all the assets they have. Yeah, I, definitely a great move. I think easily the one-two of the offseason were those two moves, and also buoyed by what those other front offices were doing and not getting enough for those assets. So same thing like we talked about Indiana. Chicago didn't get nearly enough for Butler, especially because he is under contract for a couple more years still. So he's not an expiring. There's not as much risk for the teams going out, so anyone's going to kind of pay a lot to, to to try to get him. So Tibbs made a great move. Uh, he's, he's definitely looking like a pretty good good executive for a coach, but looking better than Van Gundy in Detroit or Doc in L.A. So for that dual role, he's uh, he's taking it by the horns. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can't fault him. I, you know, the one thing I will give the Bulls credit for is I think Zach Levine's not getting enough love here. He's still super young. He's super talented. Yeah, he can, he can he, develop into a star. So. He put in almost 20 a game, I think, last yeah. year, so before his injury. But I mean, he is coming off an ACL. No, he is. Something to look at. But uh, he won the dunk contest. He's such a freak athletically. Um, he's still so young and raw that, you know, in terms of an asset, I'm not, I'm not that high on Chris Dunn. See, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the complete opposite. I'm, really? I'm, well, I like Levine. Don't get me wrong. I don't love him by any means, stretch of the imagination. I'm still extremely high on Dunn. I love the kid coming out of Providence in the draft last year. I loved year. him in Providence. And I just haven't seen what I, you know, I haven't yeah, really it was, it was one year. It was, it was a rookie year. He didn't get that much burn. Yeah. Tibbs wouldn't really play him because he couldn't get the defensive schemes down. And I agree. And Tibbs, agree. Tibbs buries young guys a lot. So I don't read much into that. And, and I actually have a lot of faith in Chris Dunn. I think, I think that's the primary reason the Bulls made this deal was for him and and well, uh, I think not, was, not as much Levine. Well, I think it was both, but I agree. Obviously. I agree that, you know, I think people are underestimating what the Bulls got. Um, you know, I don't think it was the worst deal for them. I think it was an amazing deal for Minnesota, obviously. But right. Like, the, the Pacers made a much worse deal than oh, the Bulls. Yeah, yeah. without yeah. a question. I mean, although Butler, I think, has another year or so, at least, on he his does. contracts, yeah. which is obviously more valuable. Uh, but either way, you know, the, the Bulls, I think, didn't get the worst deal in the world, like people are saying. I think bo- at least one of those two, I think, is a very good chance of becoming an all-star. 
So, you know, in that respect, they did it. it it's more the fact that why'd they do a pick swap, right? They should have yeah. just gotten the pick. They should have gotten the pick. That's, and the, then, that's and the big then, deal. And still you know, at 16. And, you know, I mean, you, you say it's splitting hairs, but... No, it's true. But, I mean, they... they that's they, important. Yeah, to, to not just get that pick and to give up the 16th pick just makes no sense. Yeah, they should have just gotten that pick. I actually, I like marketing uh, as, as a pick, but if you could pair him with another first rounder just a few picks later, I think that, yeah. that would have been... I mean, especially in, in this deeply loaded class. I mean, you want you want that middle middle round pick. I mean, it's a pretty decent pick. It's got a good shot at, at being a decent player. So. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, love the move for Minnesota. You pair Jimmy with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, and then they sign Jeff Teague, which, which, which one, one of us might get to soon. But uh, yeah, Minnesota's making moves, and, and I'd be... Very surprised if they didn't make the playoffs next year. Okay, so you, you got them in as a playoff team? I have them as a playoff, I think, around 6-8 to eight range. I don't think yeah. they're making the upper echelon. No, but I do think that is, that's another team which, uh, honestly, even without the move, I saw them making a big leap as kind of that post-hype year where a lot of guys coming into last year were like, oh, the T-Wolves are going to have a big year. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, pump the brakes. You're really young. Not going to happen yet. Yeah. Now in year two of Thibodeau's scheme, Plus, you got Jimmy Butler as kind of an on-court coach that has, has been part of it. The, all the guys are going to learn him much faster and, and yeah, push him in the playoffs. Yeah. So, I mean, we can save this for a different podcast, but I think it's still going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. I see them as an eight seed, seven, like seven, eight seed at best. Um, just because I think that that West is still pretty pretty good. At it's the really time. tough. It's really tough, you know, and, like, and especially I mean, but you got to think Utah might fall off a little bit. Right, but so I'm looking at the it Clippers now. might fall off. I'm a looking little at bit. it now, though. Memphis might fall off a little bit. A so. little bit, but the Nug- the Nuggets in the playoffs. I think the Nuggets make a nice leap. Nuggets probably make a run. Pelicans might make a run, but they'll be they'll be right in there. They'll, they'll be in those. They'll those be teams, right in there. Sure. Yeah, uh, it's more about the future, right? Like I was saying, two years from now. But all right, let's see what's uh, what's your number two pick. Uh, my number two pick, I got to go with CP3 to the Rockets. Okay. I'm not saying I absolutely love the move, but more than anything, I respect the balls on it. You, they had to do something, and we wrote an article about it. We talked about it, and this is even more than I could have imagined what they could have done. So they, they gave up more than I would have liked, especially because he said he was going to sign with them anyway. But... Part of it, they're trying to clear salary also to make some other moves uh, past that, uh, try to retool the team with it. So I'm very curious to see how that works out with Harden. I think it is going to work out, and they are going to play. They're going to play Paul off the ball a little bit more than he's ever done in his career, which a lot of people are saying isn't going to work. Paul is smart enough player to make that work, and he actually is still a pretty good spot up three point shooter. So. That pairing, I think, is going to work really well. And then now let's see if they get Carmelo, too. That probably won't work as well. <laughs> that I don't like as much, but at least they're doing something to try to shake things up where it's like, okay, maybe there's a, there, maybe one guy in Golden State gets hurt or isn't 100%. Now you actually have some type of series, whereas before, yeah, no, before this it was is, a sweep this is or what, five games. This is what we've been talking about, right? It's like you got to do something. If you're... If you're one of these top contenders and you're still so much further off from Golden State, especially, and even Cleveland's and, like, I mean, really those two and Spurs not really as much, but just you're so much further off the Golden State, right, who's in their prime, you got to do something crazy. Yeah. And and even the Clippers. You know, I, I love this trade for both teams. 
Because the Clippers were going nowhere. They had the same core that was doing nothing. I mean, they'd been together for so many years. It almost seems like they were going backwards instead of getting better. Yeah. Right? Like, but the Clippers... Whether it was injuries or whether what have you, it, there was just like a stink about that team where they, need, they needed to make a move like this. So I'm proud of them and happy for them that they did. And yeah, but they were forced into it. They, sure. want, they wanted to re-sign Paul. Yeah, no, it's fine. So whatever. All right, you know what? I won't. It give still was credit. good for them, though. I'm saying, I think it worked out perfect for them. Yeah. Also, because Chris Paul is also on an expiring deal. He's only got one year left. So yeah. and he opt he opted in to make this trade possible. Right. So but, he he's just wanting to see how's this going to work out with Harden, maybe with Melo, and then Melo is an opt out too, and LeBron is an opt out, and D Wade is an opt out. So. People, people are talking about that banana boat crew coming together in a year anyway. So Yeah, I mean, but when you look at what the Clippers got, right, they pretty much got a full team for an expiring contract in Chris Paul. Yeah. Now, I mean, they could have traded Chris Paul. The deadline, you know, I'll keep saying that. I Obviously, I think that when it comes to the deadline, teams know who they are, and they're a lot more desperate to win now. So, you know, I'll always go to that. But I think that here they got a pretty good haul, right? They yeah. got They got it's, Sam it's, Decker. Especially, especially considering he, Paul said he was going to sign with the Rockets regardless. Right. I so, mean, yeah, definitely they got a good haul. Uh, Decker, yeah, Decker, like you said, Beverly, Lou Decker, Will. Decker, Beverly, I mean, yeah, Lou Will's a little older. But, but, Lou but Will, they can turn him into yeah, something. turn him into a first-round pick. I mean, then they got Montres Harrell, who I really like. And they got, and then they got a, a, a first round pick, twenty eighteen. I mean, the Rockets. It'll be a de- you know, it'll be a late first round pick, but still a first round pick. Yeah, decent haul. Uh, and yeah, and then that that allowed them to do a couple other moves like uh, sign Gallinari and and a couple other guys. So it was it was definitely interesting for the Clippers, but overall, I like it more for the Rockets just because I, I respect the move. They realized what the atmosphere is in the Western Conference, and they're going for it. Yeah, they had to make a move like that. They did. And that's why I love Daryl Morey, too. Yeah, because, I mean, you know what? Maybe it will Maybe it will backfire, but, you know, it's better than just settling for what they are because what they are yeah. isn't a championship. Team. And that, that's what I've seen. A lot of the criticism has been, like, they took the number two offense, and now they're moving hard and back off ball, and it's like... No. Who cares if they had the number two offense? It wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was going so, somewhere, obviously. But not, not, not to a title. I'm not saying. to a title. So, yeah, so... I'm 100% fine blowing up, or not blowing up, but re- completely retooling that team to try to actually solidly compete with the Warriors. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Uh, all right, I'll move on to my next one now. And I'm going with my guy, Paul Millsap to the Nuggets. I love okay. love the move. Uh, you know, three years, 80 mil. So I, I really like those three years, three-year deals for teams because you're not, like, so locked in. You know, there's there's a lot of flexibility there. You know, they're they're paying him a big number, but he's one of the most underrated stars in the NBA. I mean, you can't even call him a star because so many people don't even know about him. But he's he's awesome. He's been so good. He was the reason why the Hawks team turned into what they were, the number one seed. They weren't that team until he got there. He gets there, he fills them out. You know, they were pretty good. Then he takes them over the top. I see a similar thing happening here at the Nuggets. I think he takes them to the next level. Um, you know, the core they have, which they have so many players now, I think it was a great move to get rid of Gallinari, keep him. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think it's a team where maybe next year they're flirting with the playoffs. I think they do get in. Uh, you know, I think they could even go as high as a 60. Whereas a year after that, I, I'm thinking, you know, they may they may take the leap and if it's not this year. So, yeah, uh, and, and it's another move where there's a lot of young guys. I, I, I like getting that, like, 27, 28-year-old 
who's he's not exactly you know an old guy, but he's a, he's obviously a veteran. He knows. Wait, about Millsap? Yeah, he's much older than that. Right? No, no. How old is he? Thirty. Thirty-two. Okay, I didn't realize he was that. I thought he was like thirty. But yeah, I, I was looking at from the Jimmy Butler thing I was saying before. Right. Where it's like I, I like getting that older ish kind of guy where mm-hmm. he's he's been there, done that, but still has a good three year window, which I think he definitely has. Yeah, a- absolutely. And at first when I saw this move, I'm like, why are the Nuggets doing this? They're also young, but but you're right. Teams they they do need to blend. Young players need to see how stars in this league operate, how how they come to practice, what it takes to be that good in this league. So to have a mentor like that for Jokic, who is really on the verge of becoming a super, superstar in this in this league, he is an unbelievable player, maybe the most underrated player in the league this year was and, Nikola Jokic. Right. And, uh, yeah, he's and a beast. Who's, and who's to say if they, if they have all these assets, right, why can't they start packaging? If they, if they Let's say they start that, getting that, really good. That's what they're going to have to do probably because now they have a front court log jam. Right. Uh, they still have uh, Plumlee as a restricted that they probably won't even resign at this point even though they gave up a first-round pick and Nurkic just to get him last, last offseason. That was a miserable deal. But even beyond that, they still have Fareed. They still have a few other guys, so they probably will have to package a few of those assets uh, and to get someone else. Right. So, what, but once they start packaging, I think this team's you know it's a it's a team kind of like how the Celtics have been. Obviously, not to the Celtics level where they got tons of assets. They're going to have to figure out what to do with them. But right. they have the pieces where they can now start making serious moves and, and they can become pretty good. Yeah, and Jamal Murray really started had a strong rookie year, and and they're going to try to move him more into a point guard role full time on ball, uh, which should open up even more playing time for Gary Harris, who also is looking good. Okay, so moving on here to uh, my third pick of the offseason moves, and I'm going to go Gordon Hayward to the Celtics. A little predictable, but you got to give them credit. It's the second straight offseason. They made a big splash. Last year is Al Horford. This year they were able to get even a younger all-star in Gordon Hayward, who had career highs across the board this year from Utah. He's really continued to improve his game every single year, very consistently since his rookie year and then also teams up with Brad Stevens again his old college coach so you always like to see that reunion and at this point I'm just not doubting anything Danny Ainge does so even though there's a ton of talent on that team maybe not even enough enough minutes for a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum you know what Uh, I think Stevens is going to figure it out he's one of the best bright minds in the game and now they have a team that is ready to win now I they still will come up short to Cleveland, but they're pretty damn close now, in my opinion. And maybe one year away from actually being able to take them down. And LeBron actually might leave, so they could be they could be in great shape so, uh, a year from today. So call me a hater, but I didn't really love this move. You know, Gordon Hayward's a nice player. He's he's a nice player. He averaged you know 22 a game last year. He's coming into his own. He's 27 years year, years old now. He's in his prime. Those rebounds, though, 5.4, assists, 3.5, okay. Both geez. very good for his position. Assists, 3.5? Yeah, it's not eh, bad. It's not bad. It's no. okay. I mean, it's it's okay. How is he defensively? Very good. He's good. Very good. Very good, Very he says. good, yes. All right, improved if have, dramatically. If we have some stats to back that up, I'd like to see him. He's improved dramatically. He's... He's a, a gr- very, very good player, top 25 easily. 
Uh, I don't and know about easily. Easily top 25. I and, don't know and, about and, easily. And you don't, it's really hard to get players like that in free agency that are still pretty young and still have room to grow. So, and and beyond that, the Celtics don't have to worry as much about cap space. They, what do you mean? Now they're, they're all maxed out right now. But they have so many, so many guys that, so much talent coming that they already have and still coming in that they have so many pieces that they can either keep to develop or make a deal that it's not they can still get another stud easily yeah. if not two. I don't I don't think so. how are they going to have the cap space to make a deal now though that's my that's my that's my point like if there's I think there has to be another bigger type of free no agent but you're able to you're a, no it's not you're able to make it work because they're going to be able to go over the cap to sign all their own guys and then then they can just sign, uh, trade one of those guys. So, for instance, when a Marcus Smart contract comes up, they can they can do a sign and trade with him, something like that, beef up that salary, and then make the salaries uh, match. I mean, I guess it's possible. Um, I, I just I think it kind of limits some of their flexibility now. I mean, you you saw. I mean, you, you can shake your head, but for no one that's that's watching, he's shaking his head. But you saw it because they already traded Avery Bradley for fucking nickels on the dollar. I mean, they got Marcus Morris and some bullshit, but. Avery Bradley was a great player for them, and they got rid of him because they literally had no space to, to keep him. So yeah. I, I think it showed right away what that impact of that kind of move. You can't sign someone to a four-year, $130, $130 million move and say, all right, they're fine on cap space. I mean, they're maxed out right now. I guess I understand they have a lot of you know flexibility because they have the assets and they can trade those assets, but... You know, this obviously means they can't really re-sign Isaiah Thomas unless they're like then crazily over the cap and they're fucked. they're going to. I mean, if they do, then you know, th- then this is their team, and they think they can win with this team and the picks they get, which I don't think they can. I think they still have to make moves like land a Paul George esque kind of player and and make those final moves to become a championship team. I don't think by any means of the imagination they can just say this is it. We got our championship team. No way. They're not. They're not. I don't. Close and, they're, and they're not going to. So if that's what you think, then you haven't been watching Danny Ainge for the last four years. He can make more moves. So I understand. It's not but... he can. He's going to. Sure. And this is not going to be their final team. And while they won't win this year, they're they're going to be. The biggest threat to the cat to the Warriors, not this year, but the year after. I'm gonna move on to uh, to my next one. It's gonna be Ricky Rubio to the Jazz. Really like this move for the Jazz. They obviously, you know, they hurt a lot because of Gordon Hayward's loss. They they really started to make big moves. But I think Ricky Rubio still has room to grow. He's still super young. He's like 26 or something like that, uh, somewhere in that range. I'll look it up, but. I mean, I think he still has room to grow an outside shot. I see, like, a mini Jason Kidd where, you know, he's not going to obviously reach Jason Kidd levels. I'm, I'll never say anything that preposterous. But I'm saying, like, you know, like a, a, a homeless man's, ver- poor man's version of him where he's 26 years old right now. He's averaging nine assists a game, four rebounds a game. And he's going to make everyone better. If he starts to develop that jump shot, where at 26, I definitely still think he can. It's not like it's too late for him. Jason Kidd didn't really get a didn't become a good shooter till later in his career. I think it's a, especially for the money he's making like fourteen mil something like that. He's I think he's a perfect fit for this Jazz team. I think it was a great pickup. So a couple things there. I'm actually a big Rubio fan, much bigger than than the typical person, and uh, I really wanted the Knicks to get him for a number of years. But there's a couple things here. One, I'm pretty sure he's expiring, so so it's a little risky on I that on that, on that end. Okay, so so he's not expiring. He's he's got two more years, but beyond that, they also gave him a first round pick when they just lost Hayward. The rest of their pieces, important pieces, are all pretty young. So 
I mean, Rubio's young too, like you said, 26. If, if, Super if, young. If they re-sign him, that, that's still really good. Kind of fits in with the culture there, but a first-round pick is, is a lot to give up there. I, I don't see how a first-round pick's a lot to give up. The Jazz are, were just a number four seed. I mean, at best, if they don't make the play, I mean, like at, at, the worst the Jazz will do this year, I think, is you know being like right outside the playoff picture. You know, that's at worst. So it's a pretty bad pick I mean, to give up. It's a 15, up. Like, 16 no, at worst. It's like 12, 13. No way. That's the end of the lottery. All right, so let's say they're they're 14, 13, something like that. I mean, I don't even think they're going to get there. I think they're still in the playoffs. They were a four seed. They're they're at their edge. I don't think they're in the playoffs this year. We just just named how many teams got better that were not in the playoffs. So, but think about it from this perspective, right? Like they're 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 going to it's going to be very close at best. First first round picks sometimes are too overvalued. Like it's very hit or miss, especially like this past year. Yes, was extremely deep. Most years, you're not landing anyone that's even like a rotation player at number 13 or 14. Booker went at 13 last year. One time. I mean, okay, it happens. I'm saying it's worth most it. years that, it doesn't that's happen. That's how you win in the NBA. You don't win by picking up a Ricky Rubio. I'm sorry, you don't. Okay. I just You win by having first-round picks and yeah, by hitting on them. That's ridiculous. You have to hit on your picks to win. The Warriors hit on Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. That's one example of a team doing well. You've seen it so many other ways, so many other times. Now teams have the, Cel- the Celtics retool. They tra- they made their trade. That was the only team since we've been alive. The only team. How about the Heat? What did they do? They drafted Dwayne Wade. Besides that one player, who else did they draft? They got Chris Bosh, LeBron James. I mean, this is this is not hard to think of. I mean, I mean you look at the Spurs, the Cleveland Cavaliers again. No, they Kyrie drafted James and Kyrie. And and LeBron and, came, no LeBron. And, what do you mean? LeBron signed as a free agent. Yeah, but he only came back because they originally drafted him. No, he otherwise did. he wasn't going there. Oh my god! All right, that's so true. If you're going to use that as, I mean, then this is the number one pick we're talking about. No, right? and and, These aren't 12, and then they, and then they traded Love because they because they got more picks. That's the only reason they were able to get Love. But these are these are 12, 13 range. I'm talking about not number one picks. Obviously, if you're a top five pick, it's a completely different story. I'm talking about. Between the, the 10, 15, and whatever, and higher, it, the the success well, rate is much Clay less. Clay Thompson was 11. Dude, you can obviously pull out picks from any I mean, spot. And you're any spot. It's on the best team in the league. That's how you do it. That's how you create a great that's, team. That's you one, need to hit on those, on those mid-round picks. That's one way of doing it. I just showed you three other ways to do it. So, yes, the Warriors no, are no, replicable. You show me three ways to do it for teams that actually have free agents that want to go there. No one is ever fucking signing in Utah, so it's, it's a moot point. It's a bad idea. Example, yeah, it's not they, just, they just lost their, their best player. The, the Boston last. didn't sign any free agents. They made trades. So they didn't just sign Gordon Hayward? I'm saying when they made when they won their championships with the, with the big three, they didn't sign any free agents. Th- those were all trades that they made. So that's something that can be done. So for my fourth pick... I'm gonna go. This is a tough one. Now, now, now we kind of hit all the uh, most of, most of the big ones, so it, it's definitely a, a little bit more slim pickings. It's a little bit of a cheapie, but I'm gonna go Swaggy P to the Warriors just because I think he's gonna probably win Sixth Man of the Year and score 16 or 17 points a game off the bench. I think that's insane that you think that's your next move. There were so many moves made. He, what do you sign for? Five mil? Yeah, five mil. One year. I mean, it's a good it's a good move in terms of the dollar amounts, but Swaggy P doesn't play any defense. But they don't need him to play defense. I mean, they don't need anything realistically, so that's why it's a little cheap. But he's going to give them a lot of scoring off the bench, and it's just going to make them even more unfair than they already are. 
All right. I mean, that would not be my pick. I don't think he's ever shown in his career that he's a passer and that he's going to ever He doesn't need to. So I'm analyzing not the player. We said we're analyzing the team. And from a team move perspective, they don't need any of that. They don't need a guy who's going to be able to work in the system? He's going to be able to work in the system. You watch. You watch and see. But he doesn't pass. They don't need him to. You watch and see. So the system's six, now six so the man system, of the year. So the system now you can get a six man of the year for five point so seven million dollars. He's gonna he's gonna win the sixth man over Andre Iguodala. Yes. He's better than the Andre. Iguodala. No, he's not better. But but voters don't care about defense and they care about points. And that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna light up the scoreboard. He might. He's gonna, he's gonna shoot from he 40, might, he a might plus light, forty percent clip from three. So he might light up the scoreboard in terms of playing the dregs of the NBA on a random Wednesday night. But if you're telling me he's going to put them over the top more than, like, an Andre Iguodala in the playoffs, like, I don't know what you're trying to get at here. If you're trying to say, like, he's going to, like, put up these stats that he might in when they're up by 30 points in the fourth quarter, no, I agree. No, he's, I think there's a good chance to no, put up he, good stats. He's going to get a lot of minutes on this team. So we'll get a solid amount of minutes. Yeah. I'm not disputing that. I'm saying that he's going to put up all his stats in, in, in you know. Not all in, of them. In, in, in Some of them for sure. I mean, he'll definitely be probably the leading garbage time scorer in the league next year. Yeah. But he'll also play meaningful minutes as well. As few as they are on the Warriors, he'll, he'll get them. I mean, he'll play a few. And I, I, I don't, to say that he's going to be more valuable than Andre Iguodala. Is I'm not saying that, but Iguodala wasn't up for this discussion. So You just said six man of the year. Andre Iguodala doesn't start. Yeah, I know, but Iguodala is not going to be in that conversation. I'm saying what's going to happen. I'm not saying what I would vote for. I'm saying what's going to happen is that he's going to win six-man of the year because voters do not – has Iguodala even been in consideration the past few years when he probably should have? No, Lou Williams is under more consideration than him. Eric Gordon was under more consideration than him. How, how much defense <laughs> do they play? <laughs> I thought the whole point was to say what's best for this team. Not yeah, like and I am saying what's best like for the team. They're, he's going to – give them a lot of what they didn't have, which is a great shooter off the bench. They did not have a great shooter off the bench last year. Who was it? We'll move over to, you know, to real players in the NBA. Like, I'll go with, okay. I'll go with a, uh, uh, I'll go with your a Danilo Gallinari to the Clippers. Um, really like this move for them. I know they're kind of paying a lot for him, but... Gallinari, you know, it's a risk, but the Clippers have to take a risk because, you know, they... You know, they had, like we've said, they, they were stuck in where they were. They had to take a risk. And Gallinari still is extremely young. He's been very injured. That's where the risk lies. But when he's been healthy, he's been fucking awesome. And the Clippers haven't had any shooters besides, like, a Jamal Crawford, who's kind of his, like, own one-man, one-on-one game. I think Gallinari's a great team player. He's, you know, 6'10", whatever he is. He can really shoot the ball. Uh, he does a lot of other things as well. And... You know, with all the assets the Clippers got, you know, I'm not going to include that into this deal because I know it was separate, but I really like the, the, you know, the overall moves that they made. They got a ton of, you know, asset types, and Gallinari is a really good player, so I like this move for them. Yeah, so, again, going to very much disagree. I'd say this is actually one of my least favorite moves of the entire offseason, and that's because the Clippers are doing it again, which is locking themselves into a very expensive team that isn't going to go anywhere. And, yeah, they might have gotten some other assets like Pat Beverly and, and Lou Williams and might be able to flip a Lou Williams for someone else, but Gallinari doesn't push them anywhere, and he's had a lot of injuries. He's rel- he's not that young anymore. He's probably 29, 28, 29, not that young anymore. And you pair him with Blake Griffin, who's had a ton of injuries, and that team's just not going anywhere, and they're, they're maxed out again. So with whatever financial flexibility they got with by getting rid of Chris Paul, they just kind of blew it again by... 
by signing Gallinari. So well, I don't see how they blew it. For two things. First of all, he's 28 years old. He's still very young. It's a three-year That's deal. That's not it's very a, young. Well, with, it, his, well, with his miles and injury well, history? Let me, let me finish. Mm. Let me finish. First of all, it's a three-year deal where he it's done when he's 31. So you're getting him at the crux of the prime of his career. With the way the salary cap has boomed and players are getting, like Steph Curry, getting paid $40 million a year, him getting paid $20 million around... I think that's a very fair value for a guy who puts up 18 points a game and really stretches the floor. That's what the NBA is about nowadays, stretching the floor. I think he's a great asset, and you know he's in the prime of his career. Yeah, it's a risk. It's obviously a risk, but the Clippers are making risks. Why not, right? It's not even a risk, though. The reason I say that is because they're not going anywhere. I can say that for the 100% certainty fact that they're not winning with this team. Not this current team. They're not going to win the championship, so, but, they, but they have. And they don't have that much flexibility. So for my next one, I'm going to go. Again, now, now, now the pickings are getting a little slim. I don't really love that many of the moves that, that have been made left. But I'll probably go Jeff Teague to the Timberwolves. Again, don't don't love the move, but he's an extremely capable point guard. They're able to get him, who I think is is slightly better than Ricky Rubio, and like you said, fits what they want to do more than Rubio did, and then they're able to also flip Rubio for a first-round pick, so they're able to sign Teague and then also get a first-round pick for Rubio, but still keep that point guard spot very above average, which which Teague has proven to be. So, definitely a solid move. Again, don't love it, but we're getting the to the point where there's not that many great moves left. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with some of what you said. I think it was a good move for the fact that they did flip it into a first-round pick. And, you know, they need some shooting. He's he's a good young point guard. but Yeah, he's still pretty young. But to me, uh, they paid way too much money for, for Jeff Teague. I mean, they paid, they yeah, paid but the, $20 million. This is clearly the going rate. You're, you're not getting a guy like Teague for cheaper than this. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, and, and really, he's only making what? $20 million a year. Yeah, so what is that, four? No, a little less than that. I think, what, 19? What? So it's like five mil more than Rubio. Yeah, it's pretty substantial, but it's it's nothing crazy. Uh, And then, like, you look at, like, George Hill got the same contract, and that's just a going rate for, like, a slightly better than league average point guard at this point. Well, So I can't knock the con. Like, I agree, I wouldn't love to pay him, but ultimately it's, like, either... You try to pay that guy, or or you try to go in the draft, which is what you said is is uh, not always the way to go. So again, don't love it, but uh, he he checks a lot of boxes for them, and clearly they want to make moves now to to get in the playoffs. And, and I think way more than what you said about the Clippers is actually true about the Timberwolves, where it doesn't have to be championship or bust because Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins can improve so much more than they already are that it's worth getting guys that can help them reach that potential. Yeah, I just don't think Jeff Teague's going to be that guy. Um, I mean, you know, when, when it comes down to it, when, when Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins and Butler get to that ceiling, which, I, which I've said that I think they'll get there in two years, um, you know, I mean, Jeff Teague, I guess, is fine for now. If it's a three-year deal, that's why it's not that bad. But, I mean, I, he's not going to be the guy that's going to push him over the top, and you're going to want to use that cap space to get someone who can push him over the top. Um, I mean, yeah, but for, but again, now, I, I don't fine, think they're right? being pushed over the top within the next maybe in year three. 
but probably not in the next. Uh, Wiggins and, and Towns probably need the, those two years of seasoning anyway. Yeah. And then by then he's expiring, so so they probably do have some some more the flexibility. Problem, I there. agree. The, I agree with everything you're saying. The problem here is though is that it does tie up the cap space. So yeah. if there's a big free agent they want to get next year, now they can't get. True, it. and they and they they use Gibson for 14 mil a year, which is again using up even more cap cap space. Yeah, so sweet. so yeah, they they, they have. Used a lot of cap space, and then the the Wiggins and Towns extensions are going to probably come up relatively soon as well. Yeah. So so you're de- you're definitely right there. But again, how many guys like to come to Minnesota? They're they're generally not a huge free agent draw. So yeah. I, I I definitely don't hate the move. I, I think it was it was rock solid. All right, my next one. I'm going Patrick Patterson to the Thunder. Um, you know I, I've always loved Patrick Patterson in this game, especially in today's modern NBA where he can shoot the three, he's a big bruiser, you know, he can play defense, he can rebound. I think he's everything the Thunder need, and they get him at three years, $16 million, which I think is an amazing, amazing contract. We're talking about guys getting $20 million. Uh, you know, Patrick Patterson getting getting fucking pickles and, and dimes, whatever he's getting. You got to love that contract, and I think he immediately makes the Thunder better. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. Really good signing, especially when, like, we just compared it to uh, Taj Gibson, who yeah. got 14 mil a year, and, and Patterson's making, what, uh, a little over five? Yeah, slightly over five. So so definitely more bang for the buck there. The Thunder did well with, with the Roberson re-signing, like we said before, and then this signing as well uh, to, of course, complement the big move they made, which is the Paul George trade. So, so really good job by Presti. He's one of the best GMs in the business. And the only, my only concern about Patterson is he did seem he was on a really strong upward trajectory. And then the last year and a half, I'd say he kind of he plateaued pretty heavily. So I was looking for a little bit more improvement from him. But he's still rock solid in, in all those facets that you said. And, and that's what the Thunder need him to be. They don't need him to be a superstar. So yeah. uh, although although some, some more growth would be really nice for him, especially considering after... Westbrook and George are not going to have that much scoring, so so it would be nice if, if he can pick that up a little bit uh, from how he ended in Toronto. But overall, I agree, really, really strong move. Yeah, I mean, he's again, he's another guy that's only twenty eight, can definitely still have his best years ahead of him. Um, and you know, I think it's a guy where the environment need to change. Toronto with Serge Ibaka, all the different guys they have a power forward, and in that in that area there. Um, I think it's it's going to be a nice a nice flip of the script for him. So I think he's going to have a little bit of a rebirth in the, with the Thunder, and he's going to be a nice contributor, especially I, at that point. I do want to point out, like, uh, while I, I somewhat agree with you when you say like these 27, 28-year-olds, like best years ahead of you, ahead of them, at the same time, I disagree. I think at this point in the career, yes, they could get like slightly better, the, like, but, but they're not going to make leaps and bounds. No, like no, you, no. You pretty much know what they are at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, I agree. I, for the most part, I agree. I think yes, Gal- you, you, Gallinari was a little different because he's been so injured that if he can put it together and stay healthy, I think he can make a leap. But I agree with most of the points that twenty by 27, you pretty much know who they are. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like even Gordon Hayward last year made a somewhat of a leap, even though he was only 27. So. No, he did. The, Hayward's one of the few. That's why I did like that signing for the Celtics is that he's one of the few that is – clearly improved every single year he's been in the league and added new stuff to his game so there are people don't get me wrong there are people that definitely that bloom later than others but for the most part especially a patterson type you probably know what you're getting at this point but yeah all that being said definitely like the move for the thunder all right who are you taking so should probably call this the last one but my boy milos 
Teodosic. Yeah. The best move the Clippers made. Hated the Gallinari, or didn't hate it, but definitely didn't love the Gallinari move like we talked about. This Teodosic move, really liked. Obviously, don't know, didn't know much about him, but watched his highlights. And, and it's like, the guy looks like a, a Rubio who can shoot, to be honest. And you you give me that guy and and plug him in. It's going to be interesting. And, and some of the advanced stats that have come out have already kind of said that he's going to affect the Clippers' uh, wins by like three or four wins. I saw, and that was before even seeing him play. Obviously, that's a little bullshit because it's all just based on stats in Europe. But even still, with with the pace of play and and now the Clippers are probably going to want to get up and run a little more now that Paul's gone. I see him fitting him really nicely and and kind of bringing some flair that L.A. thought they might have lost by losing Chris Paul. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's a great move. And Yeah, uh, it's two years, 12 mil, so definitely yeah. didn't break the bank for him. No. He, apparently he's been the top international guy for like three or four years now, Yeah, uh, and, and they were able to bring him over. So so a really strong move, I thought, by the Clippers, and, and he's actually going to be my very huge dark horse for rookie of the year. Which I've already told you is absolutely insane. But that's neither here nor there. All right, last one for me. I'll go Rudy Gay to the Spurs. Two years, 17 mil. For a team like the Spurs, I think he gives them some nice firepower. He's one of those guys, you know, when it's like, oh, you think their career is kind of dwindling down. He's had a ton of injuries. But, you know, the talent's there. Um, And obviously the offensive talent's there. It just seems to happen when Greg Popovich gets a hands on these guys that – he somehow fixes all the other parts of their games, too. So I think the same kind of things that happen with Rudy Gay. I know he's coming off a serious injury, but two years, 17 mil in, in all the deals we're talking about. For a guy with Rudy Gay's talent to the Spurs, I think it's a, an amazing deal. And, you know, I think I think it'll take him up a notch. I really like it. Yeah. Okay. I was I was debating basically between that deal and, and the one I just talked about, Tito Dosic, for my final pick. So, again, yeah, really love that deal for San Antonio. Very little risk. I think there's an opt-out. I'm not sure if it's team or player after year one, so they can kind of see how it goes. And, uh, yeah, he's a good three-point shooter. The Achilles is is one of the tougher injuries to come back from for sure, but he gives them some influx of athleticism, scoring, and shooting that they would have been hard-pressed to find for 17 mil anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, that about does it for that portion. I'm going to give the win to myself. Uh, I'm sure you will do the same for yourself. All right, so to quickly recap, your boy Gates went with Jimmy Butler trade number one. Um, I went with Paul Millsap to the Nuggets, Ricky Rubio to the Jazz, Gallinari to the Clippers, Patrick Patterson to the Thunder, and Rudy Gay to the Spurs. Whereas you went with uh, Paul George to the Thunder, Chris Paul to the Rockets, Hayward to the Celts, um, Jeff T to the Wolves, and your boy Milos to the Clips. Milos. Oh, and Swaggy P. Warriors. And Swaggy P. Warriors. Right. I forgot about that. All right. So after touching on the best moves, let's quickly go through some of the worst. Uh, I'll start off with George Hill to the Kings. Same exact deal as Jeff Teague. Except, to me, George Hill is uh, not the same player as Jeff Teague. <laughs> and he's also going to the Kings, who uh, just drafted De'Aaron Fox. So, uh, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, 
Not only do they draft Aaron Fox, they also got Frank Mason in the second round. Yeah. So it's like, what are they doing? Uh, and then they also went with, they got Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. Like, I understand getting veterans. Like, yeah, I, I like those moves for them because they're also one, they're only one year move, two year moves. So I like the Vince Carter one, especially. It's a one year, one year deal. Yeah. Like, it, it's definitely, it's definitely not bad. I'm not going to say it's yeah. horrible. I just don't really understand what they're doing. More so it's George uh, Hill. For, I, for the most part. No, because I, I actually think that's fine. I actually respect getting the veterans move, especially the Kings, getting some like winning stability, like literally, like legit. But, it, but it's like, my question is like, is it Zebo, who's who's never been in the greatest of shape? Is he gonna go to somewhere like Sacramento and be like, I, am I actually gonna try on this shitty team, or am I just gonna collect a paycheck here? I think he's gonna give them because he's changed a lot since his young. He has, he has. So but, I think he, I think you know, he's part of that grit and grind. And yes, but but you never know. You take him out of that atmosphere, and now it's like, fuck it. You know, okay, it could. Um, so no, I, I I don't hate it, the, but I agree. The the George Hill deal, not it's great. really the George Hill, especially one, yeah. uh, on top of him not being as good as Teague. He also was he was injured like almost the whole season last year. He did have a really strong season for Utah, but uh, yeah, he was also had a ton of it, like nagging like toe injury. Yeah, yeah he's and all he's, stuff. He's a guy who's always injured. So. Always nicked up. Yeah, so I mean, he's actually never had like really serious injuries, but always nicked up. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm gonna say. Probably one of my least favorites was got to go Kelly Olynyk to the Heat, right? For four yeah, years, fifty for sure. Uh, just just overpaid. He's a he's a decent player. We saw him in the playoffs. He can take over uh, for a stretch, but very limited defensively. And you're basically giving fifty mil to a bench player. So yeah, uh, another team. Another team. I don't really get what they're doing is the Heat. <laughs> They're kind of with Dion Waiters and, and Olenek. I mean, they're not contending. They're very middle of the road. Yeah, and, and I feel like they don't really have that much flexibility either with the cap. No, well, that's the thing. Is, uh, I mean, they, they, they gave up a lot of picks in the Goran Dragic deal. Right. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know. They'll, they'll, be, they'll maybe be playoffs, probably. Now the East is so bad. Yeah. But it will be interesting to see what uh, what's-his-name does with Winslow back from injury. Yeah, uh, that's definitely big for them. But, yeah, I, I didn't really understand this Olenek deal. Did they get a pick this year in the first round? If they did, it was way later, I guess. Or they must have given it. Or maybe that's what they gave up for the Drogic pick or something. Because I don't think they I remember Drogic being later. I don't think the Heat had a pick, though, from what I remember. I don't. Uh, honestly, honestly, I'm not sure. All right. Well, no, I, no, they did. They got Bam. Oh, they did. Oh, you're right. They got Bam. Oh, I actually like that bio. pick. I actually like that pick a lot. Yeah. Um, all right, so. Yeah, the, the, the Heat usually draft well. So what are my, what are my other worst ones? Obviously, you can read about it on Ball Islands. The Tim Hardaway pick to the Knicks, it makes absolutely no fucking sense. <laughs> um, everyone spoke about it ad nauseum. We don't really need to cover it here because everyone else has covered it. Um, listen, at four years, $30 million. Love it. Great. Even even 50 is it's still a bad deal, but I'm not like, I'm not saying it's like horrible. Four, yeah, 40 years, 30, 40 years, 30. You know, I, I'd say a great deal. Not great, but, you know, very good deal. Um, yeah, for know, 30. That was never going to happen, though. Even the Hawks were, I say, prepared for to give 45. Yeah, so. If they loved him, okay. You know, for, I know it's easy said now when they didn't know what the, what the you know, stock price was for him. But to give him more than 45 a year, and I highlighted this in the article when he was just in the fucking D League, couldn't even average more than two and a half rebounds or assists, either or. Yeah. In, in the fucking D League. And that's and the- I love Tim Hardaway. I mean, he's my boy. I think he's going to be a good NBA player. He's already proven shades of that with the last couple of months. But $70 million to Tim Hardaway? Oh, my yeah. fucking that was, God, that man. was That was almost definitely the worst move of the offseason. 
And, of course, leave it to the Knicks, although another horrible move, which is, again, one of my boys. Ron Baker. But the Ron Baker deal, when he's a restricted free agent, they could have waited for anyone to bid on him, and then they could have just matched. But instead, they go and use their entire, I think it's called the room exception. The veteran minimum. Veteran, uh, no, it's called the room exception. Yeah. And, and so they spent uh, two years, 8.9 mil for a guy that's a, a like, fringe NBA player. Yeah, like we, so, we were like, we were, he's our boy. Like he's, a cult, yeah, he's like a cult figure, but he's not, he's not a four. Like Justin Holiday got the same amount from the Bulls, which actually I really like that deal. Um, yeah. uh, and I would have much rather re-signed him than, than spend on Baker. So once again, Knicks... It's just the, the obviously thing, the making thing, the worst moves. Well, in the thing NBA, with the Hardaway so. thing also is like you see, you saw with all these free agent deals, there were so many three-year deals. Where like why 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 did we have to give him the four years? Well, the whole reason was because they wanted to make it really hard for the Hawks to match, but still not I mean, a good reason. I mean, especially when we just traded the guy two years ago. That's the worst part. About absolutely, it, obviously. Nothing. But yeah, like you said, cover ad nauseum. So I can't even. We don't need to. Die. I can't even go into it more than that. Yeah, it just makes me too depressed. Yeah. All right, I'll just highlight a couple other ones. You know, not necessarily that you didn't like. No, just well, just you know. Yeah, quickly. but I did like whatever. Uh, okay. I, I, I like the JJ Redick deal because it was a one year deal for yeah. twenty three mil. So one year didn't mind. At the same time, I, I highlighted this in my pre draft article. I think Phillies fooled themselves a little bit into thinking that. They're kind of more on the upward swing than they really are. And I would have liked them to see, once they put it at three in the draft and not have traded up to get faults, and then and and just continue to add to this talent. I understand at some point you do need to add veterans. Uh, in my opinion, it was still one year away because... Well, yeah, but, but my point is is that the reason why I like the move is because it's a one-year deal. You know, you're not fucking with your cap. It's one year. Yeah. The only thing you're fucking with is being a better team, right? Yeah, That's exactly. It. So, all right, fine. They're they're not going to have as good of a draft pick. I mean, they've accumulated a lot. They still have other teams' draft picks, and they've accumulated so much at this point. You don't. It, it really, you really don't want that losing culture to become infectious. Yes. Yeah. No. You got to you got to start putting some guys together. And obviously, the contracts I don't give a shit about because it's one year. So whether you pay him twenty three or a hundred, I mean, yeah, it's not my money, right? Who yeah. Cares? Yeah. It's, it's definitely a fine line between that. But they were starting to win a little bit more when once uh, Embiid was really coming into his own last year. So again, it, it, I I don't I, the move isn't what I mind as much as I think the front office thinks they're going to be more competitive now than they are. Yeah, no, that's fair. I agree with that. So well, it, it's more of a wait and see. Um, hopefully, they have the mindset that I'm thinking they do, where they just want to bring in veterans to culture these guys and show them, you know, the way of the business and the way of the world here. Yeah, and they don't want a bunch of idiots running around like Embiid. Although, I, I mean, I love I love my boy Joel, but I mean, he, yeah, if, if he's he, the, if he's the leader right now, he's got no fucking idea. Yeah, doing, you can't so. be trying to catch balls barehanded at the home run derby. Right, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, too, that's too reckless. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we didn't touch on the PJ Tucker deal to the Rockets. Him and Nene got very affordable deals to the Rockets, which Tucker's a little more than I would like to see for an yeah. older player. It fits in nicely there. Just that, that's the only thing for me. A little too much money. Yeah. Um, and KCP on the one year deal to the Lakers. Yeah, yeah that happened today. Yeah. Yeah, one year deal. Lakers are clearly just trying to keep the cap space for 2018, where they have the pipe dream of. George and LeBron and yeah. everyone. We'll see if it actually happens. 
But the last one I was going to touch on, uh, which I really liked, was Jeff Green. I was about to say that. Jeff Green on the minimum to yeah. the Cavs. He's yeah. only 29. Or slightly more than that. I think it's 2.3. Whatever. But, uh, he's 29 years old? Yeah. I mean, that's a the, great The whole thing Cavs. about Jeff Green is he's been pigeonholed, I think, in a wrong role his whole yeah. career where people are expecting so much out of him. Exactly. Now he has so low expectations. He could come in and be that guy, energy guy off the bench that he was always meant to be. He's never meant to be a big 100%. scorer. He's, he's meant to be a rebounder, energy, defense guy. Especially and, that, that's, about, what get, that's what it'll give them. So I agree. I, that actually, I, I really like that move. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I mean, for two mil. I mean, obviously, I mean, it seems like he really wanted to go to a contender. Yeah. It also seems he's fallen him. off even a little bit more in yeah. recent years. Oh, for sure, definitely. Uh, even from the start of his career. So. Yeah. But I mean, if you get a good teacher in him to teach him to play even a little more defense, he's he's a pretty good defender. But you. I mean, against the Warriors, you'd have to think that's a great matchup. Yeah, to match no, up there. It, it's it's a it's a really strong pickup for that for that amount of money and, and for that team. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're gonna take a break now. We'll come back at you with part two. We've got a lot more to cover: NBA draft, baseball, boxing. A lot more to cover there. This is an extended NBA off-season edition of the Ball Island Podcast. Peace. Peace. 